You're listening to Two Sons of Tatooine. If there's a bright center to the universe, you're listening to the podcast that it's farthest from. And here are your hosts, Jonathan and Nathan. Hello and welcome to another episode of Two Sons of Tatooine. I am one of your hosts, Nathan, a.k.a. NP Bro, and I am joined as always by my co-host, Jonathan Cohn. We are excited today to bring you not one, but two guests. We have friend of the podcast, Trent, returning, but we also have a newcomer, uh, friend of Jonathan, Mitch. Mitch, I'm glad you're here. Our topic for today's episode is the Clone Wars 2D micro-series that came out back in 2003, written, directed, and produced by Gendy Tartakovsky, Tartakovsky, uh, <laughs> who notably also did series such as Samurai Jack and Dexter's <laughs> Laboratory. You have to say laboratory, <laughs> not laboratory. Jonathan, why don't you kick things off and explain why we chose this as our topic and what your overall thoughts are about the series? Well, one reason we chose this as our topic is this just dropped on Disney Plus uh, this week, um, uh, just in time for us to record about it. Um, it dropped on uh, April 2nd, on Friday, um, and it dropped with a lot of other things, the Ewok Adventures, which we will not be talking about because I don't want to relive that, um, but we will also be talking... They, they also dropped some like uh, some other animated stuff, the Faithful Wookiee and other stuff like that, um, but this was the big one, the, the, the 2D Clone Wars, and I, for one, grew up going to the library to get volume one back in 2003. And then in 2004, we waited and it did, they didn't release the DVD from the library until 2005 on opening day when, um, uh, Revenge of the Sith came out. So we had to wait until Revenge of the Sith was out to watch the second volume. But I, for one, have a lot of nostalgia with this series. I've rewatched it probably more than I've, I've rewatched this more than any individual actual Clone Wars episode that uh, Filoni did this is such a rewatchable turn off your brain have fun series I have a lot of problems with it logistically like how are you punch how, how is Mace Windu <laughs> punching out a, a super battle droid he's just punching him like uh, Mortal Kombat style but uh, anyway it's Oh yeah, they did. But it, it's it's so much fun. So that's why I thought this is the perfect. Podcast well, let me to, actually to throw you. it to Mitch. Mitch, it's your uh, first time on the podcast. Everyone, Mitchell, good friend of Jonathan. They kind of met from a shared love of Star Wars, and uh, so if you would just take a second or two, let's hear from you about uh, kind of your history with Star Wars, maybe how you got into it, or just how you met Jonathan, and kind of your your basis for being invited on the podcast. Let me throw it to you. Then. Yeah, well, thanks for having me. Uh, Listen to you guys a couple episodes and really enjoy. Y'all definitely got something cool going on here. So I kind of, um, getting into Star Wars, um, so I was born in 1999, so I was born right when The Phantom Menace came out. Um, I grew up with the prequels. I saw them all. I had them all on DVD. I never got to see them in theaters, unfortunately. But I grew up, I remember I had the um, Anakin's lightsaber that you could get from Walmart that you had to hold the red button down and flick <laughs> with your wrist. Um, I, I have a lot of memories with that one. And then just growing up around Star Wars, the nostalgia. I know the very first Star Wars movie I watched was in my basement with my dad. It was the, it was episode four, it was the original one, but it was the original VHS tape. And so before they did all the edits, the George Lucas edits. Mm-hmm. And so I definitely have... Even though I never got to see it in theater, like 
a lot of people did. I did get to see the original. Well, as close to the original, I guess, as they released. And so mm-hmm. I kind of um, just kind of going through growing up. I, I, w- I always loved Star Wars, but I kind of got away from it a little bit after I watched Revenge of the Sith because they really didn't release anything after. Um, I watched the Clone Wars a little bit and I, I enjoyed it, but I, I didn't love it at first. And then as that kind of went on, I started getting interested into other stuff like, you know, Lord of the Rings and all that stuff. And that kind of caught my attention more. And then uh, in 2015, when The Force Awakens came out, I was like, oh, this is cool. Like, they're bringing Star Wars back. And I kind of had the feeling that was going to happen when Disney acquired um, Star Wars. And so, obviously, mm-hmm. Force Awakens came out, and I started getting a little into it. I um, unfortunately had Force Awakens spoiled for me in high school and <gasps> was not happy about that. Me but too. I, I still loved the movie when it first came out. And you had it spoiled, Jonathan? Yeah, the day of, I was so ticked. Someone just read something online from one of their friends in Britain who had already seen it, and they just said, you know that, uh, that uh, Kylo Ren kills his dad, Han Solo. <laughs> and I was like, what? Yeah. What? And it, it was unprompted. Unprompted. I was very mad. Sorry. Continue. Yeah, I mean, well, it's, it's, what's, it's very- what's funny, if I can just jump on that, is that Jonathan and I saw this together. He was waiting in line for two, three hours at least oh, on yeah. premiere day. Oh, yeah. And um, with his family and myself also kind of coming along later to join him at the theater. And you did not tell us that it had been spoiled for you. Mm-hmm. So when, like, there was a couple of times where I gave, like, glances at you, I was like, <gasps> and and you just had to fake it and be like, I did not already know that. <laughs> some friend of mine, quote, unquote. Um, <clears throat> so anyway, spoilers are the worst. And back to Mitch. Yeah, so anyways, <laughs> I, I enjoyed Force Awakens. And I think that um, it... It kind of reignited my love for Star Wars a little bit, and I was just kind of trolling around YouTube like any guy does when they're bored. <laughs> and I saw this theory video, and it was something about is Snoke Darth Plagueis, and I was like, "Oh, mm. that would be cool." And I started listening to it, and this guy was like making really good points, and was like going back to previous movies and going through a couple books. And I was like, "Holy, holy cow! This could actually be real! Like, this is awesome." And it ended up being, of course, uh, my favorite Star Wars YouTuber, Star Wars Theory. And obviously, <laughs> we, if anyone that loves Star Wars YouTubers knows who that is. And so just kind of listening to him over the years, and obviously his fan film, and just like realizing like we have a lot of the same opinions as far as what we think about the movies. And so just really, he kind of reignited my true passion for Star Wars. Um, Got me reading the books a little bit more, um, going back and rewatching movies, going back and rewatching the Clone Wars, and then eventually Rebels. And so I've just, you know, Star Wars, it's kind of been like, grew up with it, loved it, took about a four to five year period where I was like, okay, it's there, it'll always be there, and then really got back into it probably the last four years. So, yeah. Well, man, that's, I appreciate that. We think of ourselves kind of here as like a, uh, just a hangout style forum some of the time where we get together with just mm-hmm. guys who love Star Wars and, and girls. We're not sexist, but we need, <laughs> we need some girls to come on here. And uh, <clears throat> so it's just great to bring somebody into the fold. And, and man, uh, I'm just excited to, to have you as part of our kind of 
Tatooine Tucson's family. If I could go ahead, real quick, I was going to say that listening to his story, man, it's so similar to mine. He was talking about the type of lightsaber he got with the red button and talking about like how he didn't mm-hmm. see this movie, but he did see this, but also this, but doesn't really count this. And I was like, man, we are, we really, we were born in the same year. So it's, we really are the same generation because we have the same experiences mostly. So it's kind of ironic to me. Yeah. It, and and Star Wars fans are kind of like that. You can kind of grade them in in age groups mm-hmm. in brackets. Like yeah. I don't know, Trent. If you if you think about like how would you classify the older generation? Would you like the ones that saw in theaters when they were a kid when they saw like New Hope and what would we call them? Like the OG fans oh, or something. I, I don't know what I'll call them, but they're, but they're like I guess Jedi Masters. Like they were there. <laughs> <laughs> they were there. And the, we lived it. I was, I mean, you see those pictures of this like the original release, and you're like what was it like to be there? You know, it's a really cool time. And if you saw, and if you saw the, uh, the special editions, you're on the council, but you don't get the rank of master. <laughs> yeah, no, never master. Never master. <laughs> I was like, how well, can this happen? That's unfair. <laughs> let's kind of, uh, I guess let's kind of jump into our topic. Um, so we, we just got it released on Disney plus, as we mentioned this, this earlier. Yeah, we did. Um, we did I'll that. go ahead and we did that. What's that? We, said we got it released. We, well, we did it specifically us. Yes, <laughs> thank you, Trent. Um, <clears throat> we're growing in our influence to the point to where all it took was a call, <laughs> and of course, <laughs> Bob Iger was just like, "Yeah, send it." Or sorry, Bob Chapek. I don't, Bob which one's the one? Well, Bob Iger's Chapek. in charge, but Chapek's doing operations. So Chapek. He, we we have both, so we just talk to him so much that at Tucson's here, they just <laughs> they take our calls, and when we said drop that. Dropped that 2003 Clone Wars. They knew um, the the differentiation. We'll we'll talk about the 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 Clone Wars. That'll be the the later show that came out. And this is Star Wars Clone Wars. So whenever we do that to avoid confusion, just say Clone Wars or the Clone Wars. I guess just the the pivotal the. Um, <clears throat> so my I guess my first introduction was in college. I was in probably 2006 or seven when I first introduced to these. So I didn't see them when they originally released. I didn't know about them. And episode five or episode three had already come out. Mm-hmm. So that paints my perspective a little bit differently. Yeah. Um, I don't know. What, what was your first introduction to them, Trent? Uh, mine was about the same. It was sometime in college. I, I remember talking with somebody that just, just knew, had some Star Wars knowledge, and we were kind of going back and forth. He's like, oh, did you know about the holiday special? I'm like, yeah, unfortunately. <laughs> and he's like, what about the what about the Clone Wars? And I was like, well, yeah, I mean, like, it's part of the story, yeah, whatever. And he's like, no, 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 like the 2D animated, oh, really what sold me on it or what made me interested, he was like, you know, Samurai Jack Star Wars. And I was like, what? <laughs> Samurai Jack Star Wars? That's yes. a good plug. Yeah, I was like, I'm, I'm in. Like, those are the only two things he needed to say. And so when he said that, I found them somewhere and watched I watched all of them. It, it took me a while. I know that they're shorter, but you know, it's it's, it's a lot of action to cram into one day. So, <laughs> but it, it, but yeah, that oh, was sure. about the same time. Was it, it was, oh, gosh, I think it was like sophomore year. I think college. Hmm. Um. That that leads me to Jonathan. Do you want to kind of explain how they originally released on Cartoon Network? Yeah. So everyone thinks of Cartoon Network with the Clone Wars, but everyone forgets that. Clone Wars was also on Cartoon Network, but it was also released on StarWars.com. This is like when StarWars.com was just starting, so it was actually also a web series, and this did get nominated for Emmys. So technically, this was the first web series ever to be nominated for Emmys. 
um, which mm. is quite 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 impressive in, in and of itself. But mm-hmm. it was on it was on Cartoon Network as well. They released it in like five minute increments. And uh, let me tell you, I've watched the YouTube like if you just you, YouTube 2D Clone Wars, you can find it, and then you can mm-hmm. watch the um, uh, it on Disney Plus. And the cuts are much more obvious on Disney Plus. I feel like like every time they cut between like one episode and another, I was like, okay, I could see the cut happen. And it was Mm -hmm. very like abrupt. Um, and so you can kind of figure it out. And if you get the DVD, the chapter titles are the individual episodes. Um, the first, the first volume is 20 episodes and the second volume while being roughly the same length and time wise is only five episodes, but they're longer. And those were put on um, yes. uh, on on Clone War or on a, a Cartoon Network. Uh, they were very popular. Um, uh, the The first DVD was released for first volume in about two thousand four ish, and then the second DVD, as I mentioned earlier, for volume two, didn't come out until the day that um, uh, that uh, Revenge of the S- or uh, Revenge of the Sith came out in theaters. They they coincided the same day. I don't know whether that was for spoiler reasons or what, but I don't know why. But, um, uh, Mitch, what was your first uh, impression with, uh, with Clone Wars? So, this Clone Wars, I remember... I never watched it on TV, and I remember, but I do remember going to the library, and they must have released it in, like, a book form or a comic book form, because Ooh. I remember reading, and it was, very, it was the same art, and I would read through stories, I guess, that they had written through that era. And so even though I never watched the TV show, I did, was kind of embraced a little bit into it. And so that was kind of my introduction to um, that form of Clone Wars. But honestly, this, this like, when it dropped on Disney+, Plus was the first time I had sat down and watched it um, straight through. And so that's, I, it's, uh, are we giving, like, our thoughts on it? Uh, not yet. Okay. Hmm. Okay. Sorry, I had to step away. There was a loud crash in the other room, and I uh, was sure that my cat had set the place on fire. But it was just <laughs> it was just That's a large platter. <laughs> yes. You're liable to have PTSD if you watched some of these episodes recently because they're just so jam-packed. Any loud crash, it's like yeah, you're in really. the Clone Wars. And it's all the exact same explosion yes. uh, animation. <laughs> Man. Well, having watched them this week, they're, they're fresh in my mind for the first time in a while. Mm-hmm. And there was... The fir- one of the first things I started thinking about was what seems to be consistent with the Clone Wars from Clone Wars and what, what are some of the inconsistencies, what things don't match up exactly. And obviously this is not canon any longer. Mm-mm. And unfortunately, it probably was never canon. It was only kind of expanded. Um, but I know George Lucas was heavily involved. He created this. So... Mm-hmm. And, and, you, and I think to, to a degree, you see his own mind change to a degree. And namely, I'm thinking about how he handled Grievous because he introduced Grievous for the first time mm-hmm. right here. Mm-hmm. And the eventual iteration that we got in uh, Revenge of the Sith was quite different. Um, but anyway, let's now that we've talked about so the runtime kind of even the, the first volume was quite a bit different in the runtime and the layout than, than volume two and, uh, and all of that. But what, let's talk for a second. Um, Trent, let me throw it back to you. Mm. What did you think about kind of the, the starting point for this? We got Anakin still as a Padawan. It's really trying to bridge us off right after the end of attack of the clones. Right. Mm-hmm. And, uh, 
did, just talk about how it how it intro, kind of introduced and some thoughts you might have had. Yeah, so I mean, this is super interesting to me just because it's it's so much of the action of the Clone Wars. It's it's you know we get we have the start of the Clone Wars in the movie, but we don't get to see a lot of the battling going on, and that's something that so many people wanted to elaborate on. But George Lucas was very clear, like, no, I got plans for this, and you know we now we we know the 3D animated Clone Wars story pretty well mm-hmm. uh, but this was sort of the first insight into it so it was really exciting and just to watch it and you're and with that mindset you're like oh my gosh there's so much fighting going on just so much it really were it really was wars plural uh and I, I just thought it was great i love the action-packed part of it and even though it's not canon i would say that this is probably my favorite thing that i often forget about just because <laughs> it's not canon so i don't think about it but honestly, there's not a lot to think about. Like Jonathan said, it's just something to sit back and turn your brain off. You don't have to think about mm-hmm. lore too heavily because it's there's not a lot of dialogue. I mean, there's some slow parts, slow beats, and a lot of those are comedic effect. But yeah, man. But we're introduced to some characters that eventually do become canon. Like there's a lot that carries over. There's voice actors that this is their first appearance. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's true. There's uh, certain things that happen, like. Um, Volume two, Mace Windu crushes Grievous's chest, mm. and uh, that's part of the reason why he's like hard. Of, that's supposed to be the reason he's supposed to be like heavy breathing in the Revenge of the Sith. Mm-hmm. And so it's like there's there's a lot of stuff that carries over to canon. It's like you said, Nathan. It's almost like this was like a, a testing site for Lucas, and so that's just really cool to see. <clears throat> and I I love it. I cherish this entire show. It's it's really fun. It's no longer canon that he got the cough that way. My personal theory is that he had Star Wars COVID and General <laughs> Grievous originally. He was the he was the uh, original carrier. So well, the, we're not going to call it the China virus. We'll call it <coughs> Slime or sorry Jedi scum. Whatever he says. Um, the the the, re- the actual reason they did it this way was that Lucas had not settled on the voice actor to play Grievous, so he didn't know exactly how he'd sound. Yeah. So he purposefully had them write it in that his voice will change uh, because of the, the, the lung problem. So it's very, it's very funny that that's more of an out-of-universe reason for the change mm-hmm. as opposed to in-universe. And I don't know if you caught, this is very subtle. The, there's a different voice actor between the first volume for Grievous and the second volume. I think the second volume uh, is more menacing overall. But I think the first volume has better lines because they're more creepy and scary. Hmm. I didn't even notice that. Wow. Yeah, it's 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 kind of subtle, but if you really listen to it, you can you can tell. Yeah, that's interesting. Speaking of some of the voice actors, um, of course we had James Arnold T- Taylor who went on, and he's the definitive Obi Wan mm-hmm. voice actor. Um, Tom Kane as Yoda, who also did Yoda throughout all of pretty much everything. Uh, Anthony Daniels came back. Um, did Corey Burton? Yeah, what you say? Oh, I said you can assume Anthony Daniels is always going to be involved. He's he's always oh, yeah, he, he's that's, always that was done his, his deal, and also um, uh, Lando uh, Billy D. Billy D. He's he, always he yeah. had that deal up until Solo. He said, "I will do every voice of Lando ever," and he <clears> didn't. So, um, some of those were great, and even like the voice actor for Mace might have been the same guy. Bailey it sounded very close. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, T.C. Carson. Um, the vo- the guy who voiced Qui Gon 
there was a couple of lines I thought he did really good. But there were some distinct differences. Mitch, did you happen to notice, like, what, some of the ones that, that stuck out to you as di- very different? And obviously the main one being Anakin was by Matt Lucas instead of Matt Lanter, but um, ML, so it's close enough, right? <laughs> uh, what were some of the other ones that kind of, and did you like any of them better? Yeah, I mean, I think the, um, the clones were obviously different. It wasn't D. Bradley Baker, whom we all right. love. Mm-hmm. Um, it was, uh, I have to pull it up, it was Andres Sogliuzo, and, so, <laughs> and, and something I um, kind of, uh, me and my buddy were watching this the other day, and he was like, the clones don't talk that much, Mm-mm. and That's so true. it's very kind of interesting to go from the Clone Wars, where each clone has basically a different voice, to now it's kind of like, they're very uniformed, there's uniformity between the clones, where it's, it's the same voice, basically, for each clone, and so I know... I, <laughs> My favorite line from the um, series was when Commander Cody was talking to Obi Wan. He was like, "Obi Wan was like, we've been here for three hours." He's like, "Yep, we're right on schedule." <laughs> so it was just the uh, it wasn't a whole lot of personality within that voice, but it was just the subtleness, the very kind of robotic tone of it. I I did enjoy that because it was very similar to Attack of the Clones and Revenge of the Sith as far as the um, the way the clones talked. And so uh, I did notice that Asajj Ventress. Um, that mm-hmm. was a very interesting one. Um, it was very, it was more, it kind of felt like, I, I, I don't even know how to describe her voice in, in, in Clone Wars because it's just, it's very, she doesn't say a lot. And when she does say something, you kind of have to really stick your ear into it to understand what she's saying. I had it's to turn very sub, raspy. I had to turn subtitles on just to kind of pick up what she was saying. And so I, I, I mean, mm. I, I do think that they, um, the voice actor they picked up for the Clone Wars was a lot better at that. I, yeah. um, I oh, was, oh, sorry. What were you saying? I was gonna say the 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 voice actor for the two D Clone Wars actually did the uh, a few grunts and and voice things for some of the online Lego games that came out while the the Clone Wars was on, and specifically one of her lines when she says really raspy. The dark side is strong in me. That Ripley played every time you selected the character in one of the games, and it bugged me to no end. <laughs> so I was like, that is not Asajj Ventress. That is the other Asajj. But you were playing as hmm. the, the Clone Wars Asajj, so I just thought that was kind of ironic. She had the same thought, uh, She had the same bug that Grievous got, I guess, that made him talk that way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I thought the guy that played uh, Palpatine did a did a pretty good job. I think that um, obviously the Clone Wars probably went through three different actors for mm-hmm. the Palpatine. Yeah, they they did. And I, I did like the um, Palpatine in this version. It was very. It wasn't. He was he was better at, at Palpatine than he was at Sidious. No, oh, he was not good at yeah. Sidious. <laughs> he was not good. Sidious at was a little rough, but the good thing was you wouldn't. This might have thrown people off his Sidious voice. It might have not not let people really like, connect it like they could in the mm-hmm. movies. Um, yeah. But there are there there is one shot where you can tell, oh, he's a bad guy. So we'll get there. But I just that was um, let's see. But the voice actor for Padme uh, it was the same as Asajj Ventress. Mm-hmm. But in this, the voice actor for Padme it was uh, Gray DeLiesel again. And she actually has worked with um, Tartakovsky again. She's worked with him on the recent Samurai Jack, the final how they, they brought that back, and she mm-hmm. was the voice actress who played one of Aku's kind of uh, daughters, uh, daughters of Aku. And anyway, she's also famous for Azula from La- Avatar Last Airbender. Oh. 
So that might be where most people know her from is from playing Azula. I thought she did a really fantastic job as Padme, and I know it was different than the Padme from the Clone Wars, a whole lot different, but in some ways I prefer it. That's just that's just preference. I just thought listening back that that was one of the ones that stuck out as huh, maybe that was maybe that was a good uh, choice and nothing against the voice actor. I know they kind of pulled her on and they they found her she really fit well with the other cast from the Clone Wars, but um mm-hmm. anyway, d- talk about how what Trent in your mind, what does Matt Lucas bring to the character of Anakin that was different from what Matt Lanter brought? Well, it's yeah, I get it mixed up a lot because I mean, he definitely did he he definitely brought something, but it's hard for me to separate it from the animation because there's more. It feels like the animation in this is more geared towards making you not like Anakin. He's he's very yeah. he's very furrowed, <clears throat> and I, the voice actor did a good job. Both of them did a good job in that regard. But it's like there's something about the way they drew him in this that kind of distracts me from that. Where I'm like, I just don't like your face. Your face is all squenched up all the time, you know. <laughs> so. Surfer dude. Well, yeah, exactly. Remember too, this is a follow to the Attack of the Clones, Anakin, which right, you know, as we know, is the least, probably the least like version of Anakin. People like Kid Anakin, not not everybody likes him, but a lot of people like him, and people like Revenge of the Sith, Anakin. Yes, Attack of the Clones, Anakin sometimes gets some, he gets some ire, doesn't he? Yeah. So <laughs> it's, it, but it's, I mean, I like the the way that Anakin was handled overall was, it was good, especially Volume Two. They. Uh, they gave you certain reasons to not like him, you know, just the way he acted and reacted to certain things. And I think at one point it's at the beginning where, um, and this is a tribute to the voice actor too, but Obi-Wan's like, Hey, I need you to come with me. He's like, why? And like, just the way he like, it, it has this, like, I don't know, this curtness to him when he's speaking, especially somebody he should be respectful of. So, uh, it's, it's good. Mm-hmm. I, I, I like the way they handled it. it I, I do wish that that would have carried you know, over some more into the clone, the Clone Wars, where there's a lot more endearing qualities about Anakin in the Clone Wars. You kind of get to like, I, I, in the Clone Wars, I started to like Anakin at certain points, you know, because he's, mm-hmm. I don't know. I just, there's, that's one thing that I enjoy about this version more, is I love to hate Anakin in this one. <laughs> Do you think it was more fun to, to voice act a character that, you know, people didn't like as much as they did, like, like you said, we liked the version that we got in the Clone Wars. I'm just wondering if, I mean, and in, in from George's direction to to Filoni's in the Clone Wars, some of the changes that he might have brought to the character, um, part part of those were that they wanted to develop Anakin through the Padawan of Ahsoka and show him growing and show him the transition was way more well defined, um, and and we didn't get a whole lot of development here. We got we got signs of him using the dark side. Uh, to defeat to defeat Ventress and things like that, but um, I just wonder if it would have been more fun. Is it more fun to voice an evil character? If I was a voice actor, I don't know. Jonathan smiling like oh, yeah. I know Jonathan. You could never voice an evil character ever because Wrong. you're the most like you're the most. You can't even play a game where you make a renegade choice. I, okay, you that's could true. never do that. But I, I love <laughs> bad guys are my favorite to do. Like whenever I'm recording an audiobook for my uh, for my nephews. Or, or reading aloud to someone. I love the villains because you can just go crazy with it because you can just be over the top with it. Whereas <laughs> heroes, you have to make them endearing and if you go over the top, they look silly. Okay, well, let's talk about um, some of the like highlight arcs in this. And uh, I guess one of the first ones that sticks out to me was uh, <laughs> this really cool villain. I think, is his name Dirge? 
Dirge. He's yeah. Dirge. Dirge is this. He's almost this biotic slash android creature, but way it seems he seems way cooler than than a Grievous in in Revenge of the Sith. Anyway, like he's able to re- reattach his arms, and he's some kind of synthetic organism. He ends up in this like fighting against Obi Wan and a series. You know, um, it's kind of like a a pit match between them but he also has this whole army of droids that ride on speeder bikes and in this scene where they're like you know they're like zooming through the city it's like i, I wanted ride of the valkyries to play as they're like <laughs> charging <clears throat> there's there's a whole lot of cinematic moments in this that are there and it's not driven by dialogue at all we've already talked about that but um let's talk about that that character so uh mitch let me throw it to you did you have anything like what did you think about that that whole character of Dirge and the fight scene with Obi Wan and the, you know the the way that he like bursts out of them, you know, kills him or, or supposedly kills him. <laughs> I mean, I think that uh, obviously it was very much kind of like a it was more for humor. They definitely wanted to um, kind of push the more humorous side of Obi Wan in that scene, especially like when he gets out and uh, I can't remember exactly what he said, but he was like, "What a mess" or something like that. <laughs> And so I think so that um, civilized. <laughs> and so I think that um, as far as the character, I think that it was definitely I, I liked how um, he tried. Like it was, I got like flashbacks to like going back to Phantom Menace, like how Darth Maul was with Newt Gunray, where he was like, you could tell he was the boss just being in that room, mm-hmm. even though everyone else was probably felt like they were the boss. And so I, I liked the part where I. I don't know if it was, um, obviously it was one of the people when Attack of the Clones on the Separatist Council, where he was like, why would Dooku bring you here in the first place? And he just stands up and you know, obviously guy. just takes control. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And so I, I like that part. Um, I like the, obviously, the um, it looked like they were jousting, like the you know, ancient times <laughs> yes. of yeah. um, horse jousting. With the, Obviously you have the clones and then the droids. Um, I, I thought that was kind of funny. Just um, got a lot of Lord of the Rings vibes from that. <laughs> And so I think that um, I think for Obi Wan it was good because we got that humor side of Obi Wan. Obviously James Arnold Taylor is very good at kind of bringing out that sarcastic um, humor, which I think obviously he does better than Ewan McGregor does. I think Ewan McGregor is a great face for Obi Wan, but I don't mm-hmm. think he can deliver lines like that the way James Arnold Taylor can. And so I, I thought I thought it was a great kind of intro mm-hmm. for Obi Wan. Um, I think that was just. Is very much just like in the heat of the battle. He was just very calm and just always had a sense of humor. This is one of the instances where I feel like the show takes some liberties and exaggerates powers or exaggerates mm-hmm. abilities. I don't know what a live action version of this character would look like. <laughs> and like, I'm thinking, Trent, I'm thinking like, would this character fit into the Clone Wars? Because the Clone Wars seems a whole lot more grounded in like hard science rules, like the power system is much more defined. Yeah, I would say like one of the, it may be part of it's just big limitation in terms of animation. One of the carrying factors in the Clone Wars is the 3D models. They could just make make them and then use them. And that creature alone would be pretty difficult to explore all the different things mm. he can do uh, mm-hmm. with his wormy body. I, I, this just mm. looked really, you know, to me it's just like a bunch of earthworms, um, spaghetti. But like that's that's <laughs> I feel like that would be hard to do in the in the style they did. But with this, it's like well we have to dr- we have to draw every frame anyway. Let's 
let's put uh, let's let's put as many lasers on the screen as we can put. Let's put as many tentacles coming out of this guy as we can. Just because we're already drawing it, we might as well make it look cool. Whereas the V Clone Wars felt more budgetary in that regard, um, because they were cramming so much story out, they can just pump story after story out that way. <clears throat> and so that's probably a little bit of a little bit of um, hard to translate to live action or, or 3D action. Live action even more so with CGI making it look good, you know that kind of thing. Mm. Talk about. Um, let's move ahead to Count Dooku. Mm-hmm. And and Ventress. So Jonathan, now correct me if I'm wrong, but didn't they kind of use this almost like a like a pilot for the Clone Wars, where they took even character models? Because to my knowledge, or just my comparison, the Count Dooku model in this kind of bears a lot of resemblance to the the same model that we got in the show. Oh yeah, in the Clone Wars, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Um, and and it was just. I guess kind of the the direction that they took was based off of that, but we continue with with one of the coolest things is he's actually shown flying, right? Yeah, he's shown levitating, and like nobody has ever seen a Jedi do that before to themselves. Yeah. Uh, forget Ray, this that was way in the future, but like <laughs> uh, this was really cool. Uh, and this whole like I'm talking specifically about the scene where Asajj basically fights a tournament of other like mercenaries mm-hmm. off to become the Sith assassin. And then while I'm throwing it to you, don't forget Jonathan, also talk about the differences in the fact that Dooku reveals Ventress to Sidious. Yeah, it's 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 interesting cuz Sidious is aware of Ventress in both um the Clone <clears throat> Wars and the Clone Wars, but the difference is that right off the bat they're anticipating her dying in her first mission against uh, Anakin in this because this is a much shorter you know story they don't have they don't have they can't wait till season three to, to to dispose of her they have to do it immediately so they plan on her death whereas the Clone Wars they wait a little bit longer um, uh, while I I enjoy the the gladiator scene a little bit and they were able to uh, create all new creatures and all new species and stuff like that mm-hmm. to me. That was like the weakest part of the whole first volume. Um, really? Uh, yeah, like I, I loved the whole Arc Trooper, Obi Wan, Dirge, that whole planet stuff. And I enjoyed the Kit Fisto stuff, but it felt out of place. It felt like they were just throwing in something for time. Um, uh, but the but but this one, I just was like, eh. Like even when they went to um, Yavin, it's a visually impressive. You know the way that they make the whole Yavin battle. Um, uh, like a horror movie, where they're like slowly picking off the clones, and actually, when she when she basically ragdolls one of the clones, it just starts beating him up against the tree. <laughs> I I cracked up. I thought it was hilarious, and everyone else in the room with me was like, "That's so dark. Why are you laughing?" <laughs> so I thought it was funny, but I just I just felt like that was the weakest of the plot lines, and I was always feeling like, "Let's get back to Obi Wan. I want to get back to the clones." That's the type of <laughs> army versus army straight battle that's my type of jam so the the jedi versus sith not quite as much hmm. that's interesting I, I, i'm actually surprised to you say that but um <clears throat> i definitely with, with talking about the armies like i was much less connected to these clones mm-hmm. far less attached to them and they didn't get any really conversations amongst themselves yeah. we never have clones talking to clones or talking about you know we, we do certainly get a lot of clone deaths mm-hmm. and, and we're meant to feel bad about those. Um, but 
it, it's just it, it never hits you the same way. Um, what we do get is a whole lot of really unique aliens that that Jonathan brought out. The designs of things are absolutely to the extreme of bizarreness <laughs> in some ways, and you know it's it's very alien some of the, some of the things that we do. Um, I and speaking of the animation in general, I think it was really smooth. There's a lot of frames per second. Mm-hmm. They definitely they definitely did a great job with that and designing it. Um, but I, if you're talking about that first thing, the kind of the culmination, uh, one of the big culminations of the first volume is the loot or sorry the Anakin versus uh, Ventress fight, which as we mentioned earlier, Mitch mentioned how he basically just shuns Obi Wan and he's just saying, "Well, I'm going to go on my own," even though he's given a direct order not to. And uh, so he chases after Ventress. It was a cool, cool ship designs, uh, cool kind of space battle. Um, and then, of course, the, the clones come after. They land right after Anakin. And then at that moment, we all we all know that everybody's going to die. All the clones are going to die. And we get them just ripped apart. And some really cool animation. I, I don't know. Do, did you enjoy that as much as I did? Like, I, I know we're not meant to like root for the clones to die, Mitch, but <laughs> but it was pretty cool just to see uh, the way that they paint Ventress as indestructible and invisible and like some kind of mysterious ghost almost taking them apart. Well, they painted her more like an assassin, yeah. which I think that they said she was an assassin in the Clone Wars, but she never really had that assassin's mentality. Mm-hmm. She kind of just showed up and assumed people would be afraid of her when they saw her. Um, I think that, though, as far as the animation goes, they did a really good job as far as, like, showing she's here one moment and then she's gone the next. Um, I compare it to, I remember in Batman Begins, kind of going different universe, but when the first time he comes out and they're, like, in that docking area and the guy's just walking and all of a sudden he just disappears. And so I (laughs) compared it a lot to that. I really enjoyed that aspect. I think that, obviously, even when we were talking about the gladiator scene, like, Dooku was just sitting there, and she was there, like, the next second. And so I think that she's she's a lot more like a ghost than mm-hmm. a Sith Lord, or more like, I think they did a good job with that. Um, she was just, like, very much more mysterious, didn't say much, and when she did say something, you wanted to hear what she had to say. And I think, as far as the um, clones dying, I think it, I think they I think they tried to make us laugh. Yeah, like it was more of a joke. Yeah, and I think I even and would agree with the uh, argue that the um, first Clone Wars, the Clone Wars movie, like that first battle, Christophus, like they would have a guy go up and try to punch the droid, yeah. and he would miss, and like they would play that out all for laughs. And I think yeah. it wasn't until like later in the seasons where they actually wanted to. Yeah. make us feel for those clones. And so I think that, mm-hmm. you know, they, like, just like an Attack of the Clones, like in Revenge of the Sith, when a clone would die, we'd be like, oh, well, they <laughs> were supposed to. Like, they're meant to be expendable. <laughs> and so, I, I, I mean, it was, like you said, um, very much that time period as far as George Lucas. He never meant us to really get in, feel emotionally attached to the clones because, mm-hmm. of course, Order 66, they were going to kill a kill all the Jedi, and so we were supposed to just be like, oh, they're just, you know, an expendable army that has no feelings. And so I I was all on board mm. for it. I, I got a lot of laughs out, which kind of sounds terrible, but I, I <laughs> laughed when, all of it, when they died because it was just like, they had it coming. <laughs> <laughs> That's interesting. Um, do you think you prefer 
any aspects of this Ventress to the Clone Wars version? I know you mentioned that you liked the assassin nature. Is would would you would you say that that's a better depiction of her? I think that. So the thing about the Clone Wars is we got seven seasons of six seasons of Ventress. Right. We get what three episodes if, if we count that, like many yeah. five minutes three or four episodes of her. So we don't really get to know her that well. Whereas like Ventress, we get to see her from all she wants to do is kill the Jedi to literally she just wants to be left alone and just be a bounty hunter. And so I think that it's impossible to compare the two because mm-hmm. we got such a different arc. They're just completely different characters in my opinion. It's, and I think that early on they wanted to depict her as that kind of assassin mentality. And then as, as the, the series grew and we got to love her more, they wanted to kind of take her down a different path and show her a different side that was more caring, more loving, rather than, you know, just an assassin that just wanted to kill Jedi. Mm-hmm. And so I, I personally think it's impossible to compare the two. Yeah, yeah. And and you're you're right on. The, we can only kind of take a glance versus, a, you know, it's like a looking at a trailer and comparing it to a movie almost mm-hmm. um, in terms of length. Um, let, let me throw it to to Trent now um, speaking of the rest of that fight with kind of a, um, Anakin versus Ventress first of all as they like glide through the trees like Naruto ninjas with lightsabers though and and then as kind of the, on this you know temple and it's really not a lot of talking I don't think there is much at all if, if there if there, is there any talking maybe not I don't, I don't um, but did you glean anything from that fight or no I like I, I'm, I know just to repeat myself, sorry, and repeat Jonathan, it's when you watch it, you kind of turn your brain off, and you're just like, oh, cool, lightsaber fight, cool, cool. <laughs> and to Mitch's point, there's not really a lot of character development, which is, I mean, not terrible, but I just felt like that wasn't their, their goal with this. They were like, hey, well, especially maybe Lucas's original direction for this was like, number one, I was, I like this animation style. Let's, let's fit, like, let's just do some story with animation style. Um, but also let's sell some toys or whatever, you know, they're trying to push. So it's like, what, <laughs> yes, what sells merchandise is like cool action. You know, their market was kids on Cartoon Network and that was a big part of it. So you don't want to fit too much dialogue in there. Um, I mean, there's, it feels like every frame of the fight though, or if any fight or any scene, it feels like it could be a poster or the scene in a comic book. Except everything is just so visually stunning uh, that even if there was dialogue, it'd probably get lost in the action. You know, it just kind of melds together that way. So, mm. I, I mean, that doesn't, probably doesn't answer your original question about... Well, if there's if there's not much to say about that one, let me throw it to the next yeah. one. So, Trent, talk about the, the Mace Windu, literally one-man army oh, man. versus... And, and this, from the perspective of this, like, little kid yeah. who is kind of... It's a little bit of a self-insert for the viewer. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Because all of us kind of watching it, like, oh, Mace. Would so you want to buy this toy, he, kid? You want to buy this Mace Windu toy? And he's like, oh, I definitely would. <laughs> yeah. Uh, after seeing that. Like, well, the kid, had, the kid had like a little Fisher hat on, which I thought was funny, like a fishing cap. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, that's. He, felt, he uh-huh. felt too real world to me. I felt like it was like an actual human in, in, in Star Wars. It was a Cartoon Network like character from another <laughs> show. His, his eyes were different, too. He didn't have any pupils. Like, he, or he, yeah. sorry, he, he had the. He didn't have any white out of his eye, so it felt very cartoony. So mm-hmm. that's another reason it probably felt out of place. And, and Jonathan, I know you mentioned that, that, that logic-wise, and re- reasonably so, that this fight didn't really make a whole lot of sense. 
Because <laughs> at certain parts, it felt like he was an airbender more than he was a Jedi. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Um, I, I enjoyed it. Like, especially the first part. When it was he had his lightsaber. It was fun. Like, okay, so, so <laughs> um, spoiler alert for anybody who hasn't watched The Mandalorian. Uh, I'll give you I'll give you two more seconds. One, two. Okay. So at the end of Mandalorian, that whole scene with Luke and the the droids, that when I saw that, it made me think of Mace Windu here. I was like, mm-hmm. he's, he's just mowing him down. He's such a powerful Jedi. So I I loved it. Uh, and when he lost his lightsaber due to that big honking, to me it was like a construction thing. I know it looked more like a piece of construction yeah. material. Uh, but he lost his lightsaber and he starts just beating him up. I did have that thought. I was like, well, if you could do that without a lightsaber, why do you even need a lightsaber? <laughs> <laughs> He's more powerful without well, one. Yeah, really. Yeah. So I, Anakin loses his and is useless. <laughs> And Mace loses his, and he's like, "I'm gonna take a whole army out with my bare yeah, hands." Like, oh, that was just that was just for fun. I don't really need that. You know, <laughs> it's like a it's like in a Princess Bride. I know something you don't know. I am not left-handed. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh man. But overall, that was fun, uh, and I think that was really the purpose of it. And the idea of a uh, like Samuel Jackson is like seventy-five years old right now. So this came mm-hmm. out what twenty mm. years ago. Let's imagine Samuel Jackson is 50 years old doing this. That'd be awesome. I would love to see. <laughs> I wish that that scene was live action because then we get a CGI Samuel Jackson. Uh, yeah. Jonathan, I don't know. Like, uh, were there any other things? I don't know if you guys want to go on this tangent yet, but uh, you mentioned stuff that had problems with logic. Obviously, there was some stuff in that one. Do you want to speak to that or some other scenes? Uh, I have mm. stuff from volume two that that I have problems with. But in volume one, specifically the, uh, the, the punching thing I didn't, I didn't like <laughs> also just, you, you, you also like when you had that big, uh, that big machine coming in and for one, you're just going to destroy all your own battle droids. That's super expensive. <laughs> like whenever Grievous destroys one, you see Dooku flinch in, in the clone wars. And he's like, Grievous, those droids are expensive. Whereas this, they're like, let's just get rid of all our droids. It's not a big deal. And uh, and when it when it smashed down, the whole room I was in just cracked up because it was just like you're like, what is that thing? Gonna, like they thought it was gonna be like like a laser because they'd never seen it before. So they thought it was a laser or something like that. But when it just is like a big punch thing, it, it's, it's it's hilarious. <laughs> yes, yeah. um, and there's build up too. Uh, it's so slow building up. Yeah, it's so slow. <laughs> like you're expecting something serious, and then they have a punchline. I was waiting for like a bass drop every yeah. time it hits. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can see that. <laughs> no, it was before. It was before anything like that. <laughs> <laughs> so. Um, let's see, John, uh, Jonathan, right, uh, kind of in the next volume, or maybe, maybe at the end of volume one, we'll yeah. get one of your favorite Jedi, Kit Fisto, right? And he's got his undergr- underwater lightsaber with the, like, it's specially treated, and he goes shirtless, and you're like, oh, he's ripped. <laughs> Anything well, to say about the Kit Fisto fight scene? Well, it's ironic, because obviously people know that. Um, uh, the the Clone Wars has this arc, the Mon Calamari arc of the Mon Cala versus the uh, the Corrin. Corrins are always the bad and, guys, always, yeah. always bad guys, always, always. Um, even in Mandalorian, but in in in, uh, in that arc, you have more characters. You have Obi Wan, Anakin, Ahsoka, and Padme. And the reason <clears throat> those four are there is that they were treating that like your main cast. 
Kind of like in, um, in, in standard 23-episode television, you have to fit in your top-billed cast into every episode, even if they have like a little line or something. So they fit in Obi-Wan, Qui-Gon, I mean, sorry, Obi-Wan, uh, Anakin, and uh, Soka, even though it's like, why would they be there? They have other stuff to do. Um, but they, the one through character between both is, uh, is Kit Fisto. And in both arcs, the, uh, the ships that are floating above the water get destroyed and all their, uh, they float down to the bottom. Uh, so they, they have similarities, differences. I think the Clone Wars one is, the Clone Wars is better because it has more time, obviously. Mm -hmm. This one, it just, Mm -hmm. as I said earlier, it just feels out of place. It's just kind of like this and the, and the Mace Windu thing, it felt filler. There, it didn't feel like anything in Volume 2 was filler, even though I had stuff I didn't like. It all seemed to work like as a mini-movie. Whereas this, it felt like it had the main arc, which was Obi-Wan stuff and Anakin stuff, and then all the rest of it was just kind of, oh, this needs to be an hour, five minutes here, five minutes here, boom, we got it. And that leads me to kind of a, an overall thought that I had before, if we could pause what we're doing. Mm-hmm. But I'll, I'll toss to Mitch what your thoughts are on this, like... The reason I think that they came up with Ahsoka was they realized that these were all characters that had basically their development outside of the show. The movies were set and the characters were predefined. Mm -hmm. And any character that they were going to need in a Clone Wars, the Clone Wars series, to drive the narrative and really grow and develop would be somebody new that they'd have to create. Um, And they realized this from watching the show, which it does not progress in ways that feel... um, not like filler. I don't know what the opposite of that would be, but you've, you've mentioned a couple of times that those, some of the places in this do feel like mindless fun or filler or not dialogue driven or just sit back and tune out. And parts of the clone wars are also that way, but not, not a lot, not a lot. Cause a lot of it is about developing characters and getting you to like and care about these characters. And as Trent pointed out earlier, part of that could be due to uh, the models the models that they had to develop and they've got these models there. But, um, Mitch, would you, would you agree with that or disagree with like, they probably from watching this, you're like, you're like, okay, they realized they needed a character like Ahsoka and to give Anakin the development. Is that, do you think that that's when they realized or was it brought on later? Maybe. I think that they realized they needed another character after revenge of the Sith, because I think that, um, I think one thing the Clone Wars did so well, and these are this is a critique I've heard of Revenge of the Sith, is that Anakin basically turns from good to bad in a matter of ten minutes, and so and while that's not <clears throat> ten minutes in story time, it's ten minutes on screen time, and so we're kind of like he's at one point apologizing to his master and thanking him, and then five minutes later he's like he's like yeah he's a traitor, <laughs> and so I think that um. And I think that it it's it's so interesting to really dwell into the character of Ahsoka and realize she's arguably the most popular Star Wars character of all time right now, and she's never appeared in a live-action movie. And I don't consider The Mandalorian a live-action movie. I consider it a live-action TV series. <clears throat> but just looking at... We have grown <laughs> up basically with this animated version of her, and... I honestly, I never really liked Hayden Christensen, Christensen's Anakin. <laughs> I thought his voice was dry. <laughs> I think that he looks like a good Anakin. Like if I, when I think of Anakin, I see Hayden Christensen Anakin. 
but when I think of voice, I think of Matt Lanter. And it's more because Matt Lanter is more charismatic than Hayden Christensen as a speaker, not necessarily. I don't know. He's probably He probably can't act on screen. Like, he couldn't pull off an Anakin on screen, but from a voice perspective. And I think that... Hmm. And, I, and I give hats off to Matt Lanter. I don't believe that Matt Lucas could develop a chemistry with Ashley Eckstein the way that Matt Lanter was able to. And, and Ashley right. Eckstein w- right. has come out and said, Matt Lanter and I literally are like brother and sister. Oh, yeah. And you need that connection in order to pull off a duo like that. I think that... I think that they tried to sometimes make characters like Ahsoka that just didn't play out well. I think that introducing Ventress, and we'll kind of get back into that, they tried to introduce a new character, and they barely gave her any really story development. And we were kind of like, oh, that's cool. But I think just looking at Ahsoka as a character, I think that when when I go back and watch Revenge of the Sith, I'm like, Okay, Anakin turned because not only did Ahsoka basically leave the Jedi Order because of they betrayed him, he's realizing Palpatine is right that the Jedi Order is flawed. And even though obviously Palpatine is playing both sides of the war, he, he continuously brings up to Anakin, I don't trust the Council, you shouldn't trust their judgment because they see your fears. And basically that's built up through the Clone Wars. Like I was rewatching end of season five where Ahsoka leaves the Jedi Order. One of the greatest Star Wars scenes of all time, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. And just the way, and I, I, I loved reading through the comments sections, and they were like, Mace Windu, basically, like every Jedi Council member was complimenting Ahsoka. And then Mace Windu was like, oh, yeah, we uh, kind of just, that was part of your trial. <laughs> um, <laughs> like, Joke's on you! <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, we just tried to throw you in prison for the rest of your life and kick you out of the Jedi <laughs> Order. Well, actually, that was the, the trial. And then I was like, so that's probably, like, so Anakin is already, like, this dude just, like, betrayed my best friend, like, my sister. And she was, like, and that, and then, and then going from that into the Clone War, into Revenge of the Sith, I'm like, okay, no wonder he didn't help <clears throat> Mace Windu when he was, basically, he could have either killed Palpatine or killed Mace Windu, and he chose to chop a hand off Mace Windu. And so having that character development from the Clone Wars, you don't get that. And I know we'll talk about the end of Clone Wars here at the end, but you don't get that in this one. You just kind of get from episode two where Mace never really talks to Anakin that much. Mm -hmm. And you're kind of like, and actually there's a deleted scene, and I'm probably going on too long, but there's a deleted scene where Obi-Wan is like telling Mace, he's like, like, I don't trust my Padawan. He's too aggressive. And Mace was like, like, Obi-Wan, you must trust that he will... You must have faith that he will choose the right path. <clears throat> like, almost like Mace mm-hmm. is being very optimistic about Anakin. And then you go right to that next movie, and you're like... Yeah, he was... Like, Mace was like, I don't trust him. <laughs> 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 and so it was just kind of like... And, I, you know, that's... I know Dave <clears throat> Filoni once pointed out that George Lucas had to put an entire story into three movies... And that, that's why the Clone Wars was able to kind of build that out. But I, I, just to get back to your original point, I think that bringing in a character like Ahsoka and building her up like that really helped Anakin's character more than anybody's. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, you're really, you're, all of your, your points bring up kind of the, the main point is this used to be the bridge between two and three. Mm-hmm. And this is what we had for a really long time. And only recently did we get the completed real canonized bridge between the two 
and kind of crossover since it goes a little bit into Revenge of the Sith, mm-hmm. um, as far as the timeline's concerned anyway. Um, but they're, they're, they're very different, and I, I hope you guys are enjoying uh, listening to us talk about some of the differences that we get um, in between them. But I would agree, Mitch, I feel like you, what you basically said was that um, through Ahsoka, we get a, such, a, such a better version of Anakin's gradual turn and his portrayal is, is done in such a way that the the things that happen in revenge of the sith don't feel like they're forced or sudden they feel very natural and they also feel even more tragic because it, he, his scenario has always been one where if just a couple of things had gone slightly different anakin would would not have fallen to the dark side but he was in the, he was manipulated perfectly and and that shows how anybody's susceptible to being that type of manipulation but um Anyway, um, let's like, let's go into volume two. Uh, Trent, pick us up with volume two. Yeah. So, uh, well, everybody everybody gets a haircut. That's the first most important thing. <laughs> <laughs> um, or, or a hair extension in the case of Anakin. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry. He he gets his hair cut and grows he gets both. It out. Uh, <laughs> so that was that was something that I thought was that's probably my uh, one of my complaints. It's really a minor gripe. I was like, man, Obi Wan Kenobi looked cool. With long with a mullet and a, and the beard, and of course you know he gets clean cut. But anyway, um, yeah. So we're we're going into it. Uh, Anakin is granted the next rank, and I forget what the rank is. Um, when you get your rat tail cut off, you're not knight. Yeah, knight. Jedi knight. knight. Yeah, not Padawan. Sorry. Yeah, no, obviously it's not master. <laughs> so he gets he gets promoted in like this weird. Uh, the way I heard it referenced was like a, it felt like a birthday because they're all standing around with their candles. <laughs> so he has that he has that birthday Jedi moment, and uh, you know, then that's when we see him become more of a respected person. Um, and they're like, "Oh, you, you guys are a pair, Obi Wan. You still have to, you're still with him." And it's like, "Okay." It's like, "Darn it! I spent all this time getting rid of him." Yeah. <laughs> it's like when your when your kid uh, moves into the basement. Yes. Like, come on. You, you moved, but not very far. Uh, so he still, so Obi Wan still has to uh, babysit, teach, whatever you want to call it, uh, Anakin. And Anakin has some moments that are, well, well, let me say this volume two is definitely more story driven. There's a lot less action. Um, there's a lot less clone action mm-hmm. as well. We don't see the clones as quite as much. We do see them some, but in the first one, we got more tactical fighting. And then this one, they're just sort of back, you know, like just window dressing. Um, but we get more story with Anakin, especially. He does a lot of different stuff. Um, there's a really cool uh, tribal. I don't even know what the name of that that tribe is. Um, but he, there's this cool. Oh, the avatars. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Yeah. We even get some blue <laughs> yeah. body paint. I think at one point. Um, anyway, so it's just it's more story driven. It's a little slower, and I think because they went into it knowing this is going to be a story and not shorts like little short commercials or whatever. Yeah. <clears throat> Um, the general grievous stuff, uh, yeah, where he's absolutely terrifying mm-hmm. when he's picking apart like five Jedi at a time. That leads the Jedi, uh, the Council, to the decision that like they need more knights and they need Anakin, and that's why they kind of, you know, go ahead and promote him. Even though I think they keep mentioning that he hasn't passed the trial of spirit. Was that yeah. the one? Mm-hmm. Spirit. Okay, and that's the one that they have hesitations about and. And so he'll he'll eventually get to that later in this. Um, it was I don't know we, I, it's different for me because or I guess it's not different. What 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 rank does he start at in the Clone Wars? Well, he's already a Jedi Knight. 
in the movie The Clone Wars, is that when he gets his... Correct me from it's been a long time since I've seen no, that, Jonathan. No, he's already like the earliest point in the Clone Wars that we ever see him. He's already, he's already a Jedi Knight. Knight. So we've already which makes this the only. This is the only depiction of him ever being knighted. Yeah. Oh yeah. Right. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was it was a cool depiction. Mm-hmm. Um, I de- definitely thought that the I, I mean, you you think it was kind of like like a fraternity style of like <laughs> induction like <laughs> everybody. Pop your lightsabers out in the dark. We're all wearing a hood, but it's kind of cool. It's also funny that Anakin's bad mouthing the council like the, right before right he walks there, in there. Like <laughs> um, but Jonathan did the line. He says this line. Uh, Obi Wan says this line to Anakin. It's like it's time for our roles to change and me from from us to go from master and student to brothers. Did that make you anything? Think of anything by Dave Filoni? Uh, Any particular comments? Well, no, it didn't until you just uh, uh, <laughs> said that. It, uh, now, now I'm thinking of two things. One is I'm thinking of uh, Maul and Savage, uh, them as brothers. Um, uh, Brother. their, their connection. But then I'm also thinking of Filoni's uh, uh, Mandalorian comments. Yep. He was talking about how you know the whole story is that you know the Disney uh, Obi Wan had to to raise Luke when he wasn't the one meant to raise Luke. I mean, not Luke. Uh, Oh, Anakin, he was, uh, it really should have been Qui-Gon raising Anakin, but because it's mm-hmm. Obi-Wan, Obi-Wan wasn't prepared enough, because it's like, yeah, you're a legal adult now, all right, <laughs> now you're now, now you're raising a kid. Um, like, th- there's mm-hmm. no turnaround, whereas Qui-Gon had a little bit more turnaround. Um, uh, if I could go back, I wanted, we kind of skipped over it, but the scene that ends the first volume, and then on the dovetail, begins the second volume, is what I definitively think of when I think of the 2D Clone Wars. Because I remember watching that scene back in like 03 or 04 as a little kid and seeing Grievous jump with the three lightsabers and then all of a sudden it cuts to Yoda and then it cuts to to black and it's over. And I was like, that's it! And I was (laughs) like, oh, I have to find out what happens and I have to wait a whole year to find out. And so like... And then when we saw the other one, and it's just so quick, they get in, they get uh, all the, the the remaining Jedi, and they get out, and I was like, come on. I was like, that's it. I wanted this huge battle between Grievous and the clones, and, you know, uh, really cool. And some fun connections that I noticed is, so that planet's called Hypori, and um, in the, the canon novel, uh, Catalyst, which is, I think, one of the best canon novels out there, uh, James Luceno references Clone Wars 2D, and he talks about because like, the characters go to Hypori, uh, Galen Erso and, and uh, Lyra, they go to to Hypori for something, and he references the battlefield, and he references the crashed ships where a bunch of Jedi were defeated by some general, and he doesn't say huh. Grievous, but he's referencing it, and obviously Catalyst is canon, and. Um, uh, 2D Clone Wars is, is not, but it's cool that he was pulling references between the two. Um, uh, and so I, I just, I love that. It's a great introduction to Grievous. And you guys probably noticed, you do not see him use his four arms until the end of the second volume. It's, mm-hmm. and we'll get there in a second, but like in this, he defeats like four Jedi just using two limbs like mm-hmm. it just shows how awesome a fighter he really is. So I just I love that portion of the the two episodes. 
Well, he's he's originally supposed to be intimidating. Yeah. And then, like, his depiction changes throughout, even through Volume 2. And by the end, he feels, well, especially in The Clone Wars, he feels more like the mustache-twirling villain who just <laughs>, laughs and and then walks off at the end of the episode mm-hmm. than, uh, <clears throat> than an actual, like, Vader style or another type of antagonist. But, um then we so we get the scene where uh, Anakin and Obi Wan emerge from the hyperbolic time chamber after their training. Sorry, Vegeta and Trunks, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> they uh, they're all epic and they're all advanced. I don't know, dra- little Dragon Ball Z reference there for, but um, uh, Anakin's hair is all grown out and and we have we have the ruggedness that starts by like this. The droids are exaggerating. Like, is it a thousand coming to us? Five hundred. A hundred? Fifty? Just two, sir. I wish the droids... The droids would have been so much funnier had they been voiced by the same guy who does all the droids in The Clone Wars. Um, but anyway, the the lions were still funny. And uh, anyway, the two of them... So they're... I, I'll, frankly, I'll, I'll say this, and I don't know if you agree with this, Mitch, but I felt like Obi-Wan was portrayed as quite a bit stronger in this series than he might have been in The Clone Wars. Uh, he loses a lot more battles in the Clone in the Clone Wars. Yeah, I mean, I think that they were trying to build off of Attack of the Clones. So obviously he was somewhat powerful. So and this is what I think is interesting. I think that Aunt Obi-Wan and Phantom Menace were stronger than he was in Attack of the Clones. But that's a whole Ooh. different conversation. But um, anyways, I think that they were kind of trying to build off that he's getting stronger with the Force. Um, I think that something we get in the Clone Wars that we don't get in Clone Wars is Obi-Wan's emotional state as he kind of grows because he's already Mm -hmm. coming off of... He has a weakness for blondes. Yeah. (laughs) But I think that we see (laughs) Obi-Wan as more of the the flawed mentor rather than the powerful master. Oh, yeah, and we get Anakin, like, saying to him directly, like, you're no Qui-Gon Jinn. Oh, my like, goodness, that was... That I, hurts. I, and, I'll, and I'll be honest with you, if they had included that in the Clone Wars as far as... And it, at any point, which I think is interesting, one thing, difference between this one and the Clone Wars is, when do Anakin and Obi-Wan truly argue in... Like, they have, you know, tits and tats everywhere, every, you know... A couple times, but for the most part, yeah. they're in, in agreement. Mm-hmm. And obviously, I know in um, what's it called, Cat and Mouse, yeah. that episode where Obi Wan is like, "You will take those supplies down." And he's like, eh, "No, I'm good." <laughs> <laughs> but I think that, <laughs> um, I think that in like this version, he was more like Attack of the Clones, where it was Master and Apprentice arguing. Whereas in yeah. um, the Clone Wars... And that Wars, was uncomfortable for some people to watch. Yeah, but... Some of the tension there. I would agree. And I think that, um... I think they, they wanted him to look powerful because <laughs> leading up to Revenge of the Sith, Obi-Wan was extremely powerful in Revenge of the Sith. I don't think people realize that. Like, yeah. he defeated Grievous and Anakin. Mm-hmm. The two... I mean, Anakin was the most powerful Jedi at that time, in my opinion. And so... He was one of the only ones left. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> but um, <laughs> but I think they um they wanted to build up. I think they did a good job building him up as the powerful Jedi going into Revenge of the Sith, rather than the flawed mentor that we saw mm. in the Clone Wars. 
Well, let me let me tag on to that, and Mitch, I'll go ask you, and then Trent, but um, this whole idea of the tension between their dialogue, would we, would we say that we could improve Attack of the Clones if the character developed, like if the dialogue had been written to more mirror the same style as The Clone Wars, which was, it was a little bit like Jay Monel's own, it feels like he rolls his eyes through every comment he ever says to him. <laughs> He's like, there's sar- dripping with the most sarcasm he can give it, but it's so much more enjoyable because there's not the flat out, you will do what I say. And Anakin's like, uh-uh, that's not that. You know, it's, <laughs> it's, <laughs> would we have been better off? Um, uh, and Mitch, I'll, I'll toss it to you first, but, but then Trent, the same, same question. Like, would this have made X- attack of the clones better or more, more rewatchable? Cause I feel like it's, it's so much tense. There's so much tense. And even between like Anakin and Padme, it was awkward enough. Add on to that with Anakin and Obi-Wan. Yeah. Yeah, I do think it would be better, and I blame George Lucas for that. Um, George Lucas can't write scripts. Um, I, he's a great director, and I love the guy, but he cannot write a dialogue script. And we could tell on Attack of the Clones. Um, I love Attack of the Clones as a movie, but some of those lines in there, I'm like, did you literally just write that? Like, there's In any other movie, I'm like, how did you think that line was going to come across? Like, I don't like saying it. <laughs> And then even even when they were in the apartment at first and Obi-Wan was talking, he was like, we will not go through this exercise again yeah. and you will learn your place. I was like, that's just so out of, just a, such an awkward, awkward yeah. moment. And I think there was a lot of that in Attack of the Clones. He could just, have deflected. He could have like, he could have James Noel tatered it and it would have been like, you know, the snarky type thing and would have diffused the tension, yeah. which is kind of what Obi-Wan does. The, the best lines <sighs> in Attack of the Clones are from, from Obi-Wan are, I hate it when he does that. Or... <laughs> Um, uh, why do I get the feeling you're going to be the death of me? Like, he's not oh, serious. Anakin, I, I hate mean, it when you do that. Yeah, <laughs> things, things like that. Like, this, like that's, that's the best part of their relationship, not when he's scolding the whole time. I, I would definitely agree with you, Mitch. Like, I, I, I wish George Lucas was as good at writing script as he, as he is directing. Um, I think something that shows that you're right, that... Seeing seeing that tension build in the movie would have been better. Um, and something that speaks to that, I think, is that Lucas had too much control over the movies. Whereas in these projects, mm-hmm. uh, Lucas was just like, "Yeah, let's do some animation Samurai Jack style. You guys work on the story, uh, the Clone Wars. I'll be there. I'll help coach you through it." But a lot of it was, you know, just different people had more oversight. <clears throat> and then in the movies, I mean, imagine you're working on the set and George Lucas is there directing and 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 you're not going to argue with Lucas. I mean, he's your <laughs> he's your childhood hero. He's probably the only he's probably the sole reason you got into the movie industry. So mm-hmm. I think we see some of that, and that's you know, that's a popular theory. That's not a hot take or anything, but I think it would have been good to see some of that tension between former master Padawan, uh, still higher ranking, you know, kind of thing. See that tension build between the two. I think that'd have been really good. Ultimately, culminating in the biggest tension at the end. But at the same time, mm-hmm. just to play advocate against myself, it was nice to see Obi-Wan be reserved the whole time and then at the very end deliver that just excellent line when he says, you were my brother. I loved <laughs> you, past tense. I mean, because he, does mm. he doesn't speak with emotion a whole lot. 
and then you see that, and it just so there's there's definitely something to be said about a lack of emotion and then a punctuation of it at the end. So, you know, <clears throat> I could take it or leave it, but I I would like to see that just because why not see more Star Wars? <laughs> so, hmm. hmm. And I I know we totally got off. This is way off of way off base, um, <laughs> because because in in truth, like the the version of, that we're talking about the. the not not the Clone Wars. Clone Wars still had the tension that we're talking about, which was yeah. present in Attack of the Clones. And this is just something that they managed to do a really good job at, which, you know, maybe goes, goes unnoticed some of the time, but in mm-hmm. the Clone Wars. Um, all right, so let's get to this kind of like the second half of, of Volume 2. Um, uh, Anakin and Obi-Wan are assigned to search, like, for Grievous, and uh, they end up with these, like, blue alien... What you saw, what did you call them earlier? Avatar. They're basically the, the the what are the name of the avatar creatures though? Ooh, the avatar like, are creatures. They like, I don't know. I've never the, seen the movie. I'm just going Oh, you off. haven't? No, I haven't. Well, it's really good. Yeah. I mean, it's it's a <laughs> it's James Cameron. It's, it's James Cameron. I'm not interested. Yeah, I'm with you. Okay. Well, here's the thing, and I didn't notice when I was a kid not a kid. When I was in college, <laughs> I was dumb, first of all, and I didn't pick up on this. But the I think the main point of this whole trial of the spirit that he goes through with these creatures is the... It leads to this carving... We see this kind of storytelling. It kind of reminds me of, like, how, the, how they did Deathly Hallows. And it was, yeah. it, was like a, it was like a painterly style of, like, cave drawing... Where Anakin is, he's kind of like drugged up in some kind of like, you know, Indian juju, and the cave painting starts moving around in his head, and he starts seeing like, he sees a, he sees a dude, one of the aliens that looks like gets his arm cut off, and then like, uh, I guess a mechanical arm grows in its place, and at first he uses it and he's like a hero and everything, but then at the end it turns out of control and twists him and like and becomes evil. And the first and second and third and whatever many times until this last time I watched that, I was just like, what is this about? Is this like one of the aliens? And I realized that, yeah. no, this is Darth Vader. Yeah. It's, it's representing mm-hmm. his, he doesn't know how to interpret it either. But as a kid, that was straight over my head. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so Jonathan, speak to that for a second if you would. Well, first I'll say that overall I like volume two for its cohesion and its intercutting. The intercutting between the two storylines, of course, right. uh, and Obi-Wan Anakin is fantastic. Mm-hmm. But I do not like the Anakin subplot at all. I just, I cringe. Like, if, if, if I had to cut one thing out of 2D Clone Wars, like, and, and that was my veto, I would even cut that out over the Ventress stuff because I was just, like, I was so invested in Shakti and the Coruscant stuff that I was just like, whenever we got to this, I was like, it's boring. I know Anakin's going to be fine. I know Obi-Wan's <laughs> going to be fine. It's, they're going to have a happy ending with these guys, so they're not, he's not going to kill them all. Um, uh, so, and just like, you know, they were, they were hard. They had a good message about, you know, living with your problems and um, uh, making do with what you have type things. So the met- messaging was good, but just like, I did not care for the design of the creatures as much, especially when they were all like hulked out. Um, and so I was just like, eh, it just wasn't, wasn't my thing. Yeah. And they used this alien language. So we were even yeah. more disconnected. From it sounded, them. it sounded um, Italian. I don't know if you caught it, that, <laughs> but like they have a lot of their words end in I like a kind of a, 
I don't know. It just to me it sounded very like romantic Italian. <laughs> <laughs> That's definitely part of like the dude's art style mm-hmm. too. I mean, it just is just over and over again. Like Tartakovsky, he gravitates towards some of the grotesque things, and he enjoys exaggerating grotesque things in his art. Mm-hmm. And you can do that in animation. I don't. I don't think that that would have translated at all well in the Clone Wars. Oh no, no, um, not at all. Um, and it was it was weird. But but there's also kind of like a there's a message there. It's like, hey, some things are permanent. Yeah. And you know, you have your family back. You have your the men of your village back. Yeah, they all look really different, uh, but it's still your dad. Um, and sometimes even like the truth of when people come home from war, they're changed. Yeah. And they're not the same. Mm-hmm. Um, and they can never be back the same, but they're still your dad or still your family. I uh, yes. I have uh Jonathan, you mentioned Shock T a second ago. Um I have I, I was I brought a little bit of trivia into this episode. Maybe it just. Mm, I know where you're going with this. So how many times? Uh, how many times did Shock T die? Non-canon and canon, like because it feels like every time she's on screen, eventually <laughs> she dies. Does Does anybody know? Like, and my count could be off, but including deleted scenes. Okay. How many times did she Before? die? Um, the Force Unleashed. She dies. Which is, I had to say that in Invader's voice. If you do this, she, she dies. dies. Uh, if you, if you, okay, you haven't played that, have you, Jonathan? I have played Force that's, Unleashed. And I've read the books but, for Force Unleashed. But it Force Unleashed 2. Force yeah. Or, no, is it Force? No, that's what Vader says. She dies. So, anyway. that's, so that's not uh, canon, right? So, okay. But that is one. Yeah. That's that not one. canon. That's one of them. Uh, deleted scene, Return of the Jet, or Revenge of the Sith. Deleted scene, she cool dies. Scene. Two deleted scenes. Yeah, huh? it's two, two deleted, two deleted scenes. scenes. Two They're, deleted scenes. Yeah, they shot Wait. it two different to- two different ways. And they used neither. Yep. Yeah. But this is the scene where Anakin and Obi Wan are both right in front of her. Yeah, that's and one of them. She's killed right in front of them. And then the other one, I'm okay. trying to remember what the, the other one was. The other one was Anakin in the Jedi Temple. She was sitting there and she was like, Master Skywalker. Oh, oh, that's, that's right. right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anakin's dueling her and he kills. Well, he does. We don't ever see that, but yeah. she dies. Okay. So that's, that's what three. else? Do you know how she? So the real one, the real way she dies, is in a vision that Yoda has. Yeah, that's the real way she dies, mm-hmm. and it seems like she's always getting stabbed in the back. It seems like that's the recurring death she has. But the fourth yeah. way she dies is different, and it's again not canon, but it's in a Lego video game. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. You see her, you Jonathan. See, tell it. So in in the Lego video game, uh, I remember this because they really skimped on the animation for the for that level of the Lego video game. Once you get in the temple, they like, okay, we have the part where you jump through and then you get to the 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 the, the master's room and then everything else is just really low quality <laughs> animation design. And then they turn on the the you know when Obi Wan looks and sees him cutting down younglings. Well instead of seeing him do younglings, you just see uh uh, Shakti going hello, uh, waving, and then all of a sudden Anakin comes behind and he chops her head off, and then chops her middle off, and then chops her legs. So it's like, it's really funny. <laughs> she's the yeah. So I feel it's like really she's funny. the uh, the good old decapitation. She just yeah, the the character they just keep die, just kill it off. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> she's Kenny. Yeah. <clears throat> okay. Yeah. Uh, so is it only four? Is that count? So that's that- five. She doesn't die. Because she doesn't die in this, but they kind of leave you wondering, is, like, is she going to die Mm -hmm. from this? I don't know. 
So, well, they hint she, in the um in the in season seven of the Clone Wars that Shakti disappeared. Yeah. And so I guess they went with the one where she dies by Grievous on the ship. And that's how I think they went through that with the video game, The Revenge of the Sith, because they show the scene where they're in like the when they're in the um, invisible hand, and mm-hmm. you have to go through like the sewer part, and they show that yeah. scene in the deleted mm-hmm. scene where they have to go through the sewer part. And so I don't think they, sh- I don't remember if they showed Shakti, and I haven't played that game in years, but yeah. um, I think <clears throat> they they probably stuck with that one. Going off, it's a of, shame that uh, she didn't get any. Uh, shock troopers under uh, <laughs> uh, I see what you did there I'd like to take a moment to talk about the um, the whole Battle of Coruscant which for me loved it could have had the whole volume just be the Battle of Coruscant and I would have been eating it up I loved it but I especially love the chase scene between um, uh, Shakti with, the, with Palpatine and Grievous it's so well choreographed mm. It's so stressful. When they get to the scene with the trains and they're jumping in and out of the trains is is brilliant. And then when they get cornered mm-hmm. and she uses the force to tie his cape, which I'm kind of like, why didn't he just use his lightsaber to slice off the cape and then run back? Like it, that that wasn't an effective way to, to get rid of him. But It's a uh, cartoon. It's a cartoon. Okay, yes. That's yeah, some comically things. Yeah, exactly. But forget that it's this is not like a Batman level like Super strong cape. This yeah. is probably just like random cloth. Yeah. <laughs> and Grievous is a is a pretty heavy droid. He like mm-hmm. clanks when he goes around. Yeah. There's no physical way that that would have worked. It would have ripped easily. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, yes, go right ahead with your. But uh, but I was gonna say that what I really like is that it actually both works in tandem with and contradicts the Labyrinth of Evil novel. Because in Labyrinth of Evil, which was released in 2005, right before the the movie came out, you have uh, Obi-Wan and Anakin in a different setting, so it doesn't, their storyline doesn't match up. But you see Grievous going after Shakti and um, uh, Palpatine in that. And so I appreciated that they at least lined that part of it up pretty well um, between the the book and the the show. And it's just so, when when you see Shakti's face just go like, (gasps) oh! Like, when she realizes Grievous' plan, and by that point, you've already seen him, you know, reveal that he has four arms and not two, and you're like, all right, the Jedi, they can hold their own as long as she can make it, and then when he reveals the four arms, you're like, what? Uh, Because if you haven't seen Revenge of the Sith, this is the first time you see that, and then he just, like, picks the Jedi off real quickly, and then uh, you see his... Uh, you're lucky my master wants me to bring you in alive, and that's because, yeah, because I'm, I'm your master's master. Mm-hmm. So, I, 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 and you see Palpatine, you see him walk back in the shadow, and his smile turns into a scowl. And you mm-hmm. see him, mm-hmm. uh, oh, maybe he's not a good guy. Like, that's the most overt in this Clone Wars. And at the time, they were really trying to be careful, even in the book, in the book um, Labyrinth of Evil, he had, he had, uh, James Lucino had instructions not to reveal that Palpatine was Sidious, even though this came out a month before the movie. So, like, we had already <clears throat> kind of figured it out, but they still were keeping it under wraps. But in this show, they have that one little thing that makes you go, oh, something's up here. A surprise, hmm. to be sure. Yeah, but a welcome one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, great. <laughs> uh, we also had the. 
the two main Jedi, Yoda, and we haven't talked about Yoda much about Yoda, but yeah. he and Mace were just like laying waste to <laughs> all of the droids that were attacking. Um, and the clones are all like, what about our left flank? The Jedi, the Jedi are our left flank. <laughs> <laughs> Which, by the way, space horses. Pretty awesome. We get that um, uh, before even Last Jedi introduced them. But then also, you, that clone commander, he has uh, the two... I love when he has the two guns, and he has, like, the repeater that he's using to take down a bunch of battle droids <clears throat> on this side, and then he just has, like, a handgun that he's shooting, and it's like, that guy's carrying the whole army on his back. He's <laughs> mm. pretty cool. Um, what about this Athorian with, like... Oh, he has four lung or four... Throats. What was it? Not Four throats? Four throats, so he can yell really loud. I don't know. We we'd never seen an Athorian do that, so that was interesting. Uh, some of the cartoonishness. I don't know, Mitch. Did those did that affect you at all? Of like with some of the other Jedi, like the uh, we get one of the Jedi is the same species as this character we originally first saw in the Moss Eisley Cantina of anything, and his mouth is nothing but like two inches of, like, a hollow bamboo stick, and it just, like, twiddles it around. But he's a... Well, there's a Jedi of this species, apparently. Like, did that <laughs> strike you as odd at all? No, or, I mean, it. it's George Lucas, you know, like, he created this universe, so he's going to use different, you know, species for different reasons. I mean, it's, um... I mean, just look at Opo Rancis. I mean, that yeah, dude, that's a like, weird uh, one. He, he's the last person you'd expect to be a Jedi, but he's a Jedi, <clears> and so it's, um... It doesn't surprise me. I think the animation for that time was good. Um, it, it was, like I said, very cartoonish, and so it was mm-hmm. it's more for laughs than anything. Yeah. Um, I think the Battle of Coruscant as a whole, um, the lighting was weird in yeah, the animation. Yeah, it is weird. Um, Coruscant did not look like Coruscant. It looked... And maybe mm. because it was on a white paper, it, it felt like I felt yeah. like, like somebody drew it out and colored some of it. Mm-hmm. But um, I guess that was kind of weird to look at, and... Um, you know, I guess when you go from, you know, three D animation full color to this, it's kind of yeah. like you feel oh, this spoiled. Is weird. Yeah. <laughs> and so I mean, it didn't bother me, and I enjoyed that scene, but it was kind of like, okay, it, I wish this wasn't three D, <clears throat> but I appreciate it for what it is. Hmm. I don't know, Trent. Did we ever get like? I don't think we ever got a scene where, like, Sidious is is uh, he's able to use his. I'm the both sides guy behind the scenes, like to manipulate a situation just mm-hmm. right. I, I always, and I, we get close to it a couple of times. Like I, I really wanted a scene where like, you know, he, he just fries everybody and he kills everybody. And he's like the only escapee. And he tells them like something crazy happened. <laughs> and, uh, you know, the, I, but I, the main bad guy, he's self-destructive yeah, or something. I wish, the, like, I wish they would have... Sidious never gets himself into that situation where he has to reveal himself. Because Grievous doesn't know. Yeah. Uh, I wish know. they would have leaned into that like ridiculousness of the show with Palpatine. It felt like they were... Honestly, it felt like they were writing a pretty can- canonical Palpatine. It's like, no, mm-hmm. give me... I mean, if Mace Windu can beat up a bunch of people with his fists, you know, like, <laughs> let, let Palpatine yeah. have his moment. But, you know... If, if you want that, if you want that... The Lego uh, Yoda Chronicles Ooh. play off of this, and specifically there's one, I'm forgetting which one it is, but you basically have Palpatine, and he's at his desk, and uh, he's wearing his cloak, but the hood's down, and he's talking to Yoda. Master Yoda, we have such a big problem! And then all of a sudden, 
uh, Grievous calls him. He says, one moment, and he puts on the hood, and he changes voice. <laughs> what now? And then Yoda calls him back, and he answers, but he still has the hood on, so he's like, oh, no! And he, like, puts it off, and it keeps putting it back on. It's, it's hilarious. Oh, that's <laughs> great. Like, that's the type of thing we, sh- we could have gotten with this. And I think another, just to add on to what Jonathan yeah. said, um, and I, I know I keep going back to The Clone Wars, but um, there was a, a scene where in season six where... Fives was being questioned because of his inhibitor chip, <clears throat> mm-hmm. and Palpatine walked into the room, and it was supposedly yeah. a diplomatic questionnaire. Yeah, and they closed the door, and he was like, "All right, let's see what you know," mm-hmm. and it was like very Sidious like, like yeah, he, mm, he went straight from Sidious. Chancellor to like Sidious like, "You're screwing up my plans, dude." <laughs> <laughs> and so I, 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 just just to add on there, there was a scene mm. I think where he's drinking tea out of like a teacup. Yeah. And it kind of, you know what that's based off of? What's that? I don't have no idea. It's based off of uh, Nero, who was mm. uh, sitting at his palace and playing the harp while Rome burned. Oh my gosh. It's like, yeah, they, they, the way they shot it, it's based off of that. So he's like, he's sipping tea while his own planet is being destroyed by forces that he sent to destroy it. So it's like he orchestrated it all, whereas Nero orchestrated the burning of that's Rome. That's genius, because so. that scene <clears throat> stuck with me. I remember thinking, like, mm. there's just something nefarious going on. Because when I watched it, I was like, this just feels sinister, because he is. I knew that. But still, mm. it was kind of, it was fun, you know? It's like, because <laughs> you know, mm. I, I saw this after I'd seen everything else, so I knew he was evil, and that yeah. just, and it was very fitting. So that's a cool, that's a cool, cool fact to about that. Yeah. Mm. Well, <clears throat> I don't know if that kind of wraps up. We've talked about most of everything, but I get the reception of this show when it came out, and and people, I think, immediately loved it and mm-hmm. and a lot of us were probably hesitant even after seeing the clone wars movie in theaters saying ah they messed it up they shouldn't have done it just stick me with the with the old 2d version um mm-hmm. guilty mount myself was perhaps in that group uh and now i would completely argue the opposite and say that the clone wars gave us the transition that we needed between times. And I'm so glad that we got it. I'm so glad that they, <clears throat> they didn't decide, Hey, we have enough. And we've already told the story once they decided, Hey, there's a whole, whole lot more to here to tell than, than we've even scrapped the surface on, scratched the surface on. Um, but this, this won an award. It won a lot of awards, but, um, won an Emmy for outstanding animated program in 2004 and season three won in 2005 for the same category. Um, I think they won Outstanding Individual Achievement in Animation, other things like that, Best Animated Television Production, um, lots of lots of stuff. So I, I don't think that the, the Clone Wars themselves, that, that show was quite as awarded as this one. Is that, is that no, no, pretty true? No, no, it got very different Emmys. Um, uh, yeah. It got awarded for its voice actors quite a bit. It got uh, mm. nominated for its animation style as well. Um, but they were they were in two different categories. One was in the daytime Emmy, and one was in the nighttime Emmy. So that's why. Hmm. Well, that's interesting. I actually don't claim to know much about the daytime versus nighttime. I mean, the, day, I the nighttime daytime more, TV uh, is, is your soaps, more, but yeah, nighttime's more prestigious. Daytime's more common um and if my memory serves the 2d was daytime emmys and the 3d was the nighttime emmys which is a more competitive field which is why it didn't win as often um mm. uh, but you know 
the Clone Wars had more seasons, so they had more time to win. So, well, I know like it's it's ranked very high on like IGN's top animated series lists, and mm-hmm. like Rotten Tomatoes still has it um, yeah. as a very high ranking and things like that. So, uh, overall, I guess I guess the next question is: We wouldn't be the two sons if we didn't ask this. <laughs> uh, what would you What would you rate this out of ten, Trent? If you were just going to score, if you're going to so I would. Judge it. Uh, maybe this is more telling about me that I rank things typically higher, and it's hard to not rank a Star Wars thing high. But I, I enjoy this, and part of the reason I enjoy it, and this was this would be my encouragement to anybody who's maybe struggling to enjoy this. It it feels <clears throat> like this is the Clone Wars retold through the eyes of like the mythos of the Star Wars universe. Mm-hmm. So like maybe the kid with the fish hat, he saw that battle. And then he goes back to his friends, and he's trying to retell it, but he's making it so outlandish. He's like, and then, and then, and then Mace Window is like, beat him up with his hands, and it would yeah, So it's like, it sounds like, it sounds like a mythos telling of Clone Wars. And I enjoyed that. It was just like, it's fun, it's lighthearted, and for that reason, to me, it's, it's a 10 out of 10. It's so awesome. I understand why it's not canon, but man, is it fun. Mm-hmm. All right, well, Mitch, let's throw it your way. Mm, I'd like to give it a 7 out of 10. I think that there's a lot of great aspects of it. My favorite being that they add stories to the Clone Wars that we didn't get. Example being Anakin being knighted. And, of course, the Battle of Coruscant. I think I really wish we had gotten those in the 3D animation. Especially the Battle of Coruscant. I know they kind of went with the um, Battle of Mandalore more but um i think that Mm -hmm. the reason i rank it a seven out of ten is because my standards are very high Mm -hmm. in star wars because i know (laughs) i know that they can put out an amazing product example Mm -hmm. being the mandalorian and the clone wars and so i think that it's it's definitely a great show to watch um and kind of to go on your point about if people are struggling to get through it um I have an issue. I have. I can sometimes struggle to get through TV series. I didn't struggle to get through this, and so I think that if you love Star Wars, you will appreciate what it was. And I think you have to have the perspective that this is what they thought the Clone Wars was at that time. And if you watch mm-hmm. it knowing this is going before Episode Three, it just makes watching Episode Three a lot more fun. Mm-hmm. So that, mm. that's my ranking. For me, um, you can't interpret it without comparing it so i'm gonna compare it at its (laughs) lowest point it's never it's never quite as bad as the lowest point of the clone wars and it's at its highest point it's nowhere close to the best highest point of the clone wars um so with that for me i'll give it like an eight out of ten um it doesn't have jar jar so that's (laughs) helping it um it's (laughs) even though jar jar has some good moments here and there and certainly the clone wars did did what it could to redeem him and and I, I, frankly, I, I like Jar Jar, but at the same time, they didn't mess with Jar Jar, which is kind of probably for the best. They were they were they stuck to a pacing that was really fun. And, you know, you can watch it, and I think I could show this to maybe a, a kid who's never even hardly seen Star Wars, and they would be so hyped mm-hmm. to watch Star Wars. Um, so for that reason, I'm going to give it eight out of ten. Jonathan, yeah, I'll give it an eight out of eight point five out of ten. Um, uh, I'd say uh, uh, Price is nice. right uh, <laughs> Going over No uh, The reason I actually 8.01 I'd pick, 
<laughs> I had picked 8.5 before anyone had said their rankings, so I, I'll, I'll get that out there. Uh, I love the Battle of Coruscant. I love the uh, the banking clan battle with Dirge and with the, the ARC troopers. Um, uh, but what drags it down is Anakin v. Ventress and Anakin on his weird quest. Like, those two storylines, just, as you can tell, I don't like Anakin in this. I just... <laughs> Doesn't really work for me. And I'd say that the Anakin on the Avatar planet is the lowest point between yeah. this and the Clone Wars for me. Like, I even, mm-hmm. I know some pretty bad the Clone Wars episodes. This, for I just feel that way lower. So that's what brings it down. But I still highly enjoy it. It's super rewatchable. Like, I watched this with one of my roommates on YouTube back in, like, August or September of last year. And then I rewatched it here and it felt like really exciting still like with sushi i have to give something like a year or two before i actually can rewatch it because i don't like the i, I just don't like rewatching stuff as much so this this was very rewatchable for me hmm well, that's good to hear especially with the small chunks you can you can kind of divide mm-hmm. it up. um so anyway it was a great episode guys i really enjoyed our discussion and and we definitely want to thank uh trent for being on as always it's great it's great we need to have you on again soon and uh mitch you did an awesome job man i really appreciate you spending time with us and uh thanks for hope that me on. jonathan will be able to schedule you back again what'd you say i said thanks for having me on oh yeah man it's it's great to get together and and just talk about star wars which we all we all love uh, Jonathan, why don't we uh, take a quick break, and when we come back, we'll tell you what we're going to do on our next episode. And we are back. So, Jonathan, would you like to tell everyone what we will do, or, or what the specialness of our next episode will be? Well, if you've been paying attention to the numbers, our next episode is episode number 50, and we are also quickly approaching our one-year anniversary from when we started Two Sons of Tatooine. Uh, we were talking over text, leather. Did you think we'd actually get this far? Um, <laughs> so we'll talk about we'll talk about that type of thing. Um, we'll talk about things over the last year. Um, we may talk about what we hope for Star Wars going forward, what our favorite moments were, things like that. Um, it's going to be lots of fun. Uh, we will have tons of surprises, mostly because we don't know what we're doing yet in part. So it's going to be a surprise. <laughs> okay. Um, well, <laughs> Tipping our hat. Yeah, we're going to have a great time as always. And uh, just, uh, we appreciate you guys listening. If you can, find us and communicate with us on Facebook at Two Sons of Tatooine. Um, give us a five-star rating and there and, and other places, all the places that you find our podcast. Interact with us, and especially if you've been listening and maybe you want to give us your top ten list of your favorite tracks from Return of the Jedi, which was our episode that came out, uh, the last episode. You know, please do that. Uh, we'd love to talk with you about it, and I'll just take that chance to consider and listen to the tracks again and can't tell you how much fun it is just to listen to those. So, uh, Jonathan, remind everybody where the other places they can find us are. And then we'll sign off. You can find us on Simplecast. That's our home. But we're also on iTunes and uh, and Apple Podcasts. We're on Google Play and Google Podcasts. We're on Stitcher. We're on iHeartRadio. And we're on Radio.com. And then, of course, you mentioned we have our <coughs> Facebook page, Two Sons of Tatooine. 
All of our updates are there. You can communicate with us, tell us your top fives. If you want to find our episodes, they're linked there. Um, any news uh, comes up there. And then I also write Star Trek book reviews for Roku Depot. But mm. until next time, I'm Jonathan. I'm Nathan, a.k.a. NP Bro. I'm Trent. And I'm Mitch. And thank you for listening to Two Sons of Tattoo.